Proverbs 1 actually encourages us to think about how we ought to live. In fact, the whole of Proverbs does. Today we'll be looking at just a couple of verses at the the start of Romans chapter 12. The focus is that we need to keep changing how we think. Not just how we think, but how we live. We need to, to be transformed. But that begins with how we think. If you're a believer, if you've trusted in Jesus, then you're already enrolled into God's wonderful scheme of being transformed into the new you. There's all kinds of programs on the TV that people are getting their houses made over, they're getting themselves made over a new look. But God doesn't look so much on the outside. God looks on the inside. God looks on the heart. And the makeover of the heart is the one that God is most concerned about. We will get a new body. We will get a physical makeover when the Lord comes again and we're with him when he comes in glory. The general resurrection of the dead. We will be raised in glory. But at the minute, we have to put up with how we look. (laughs) But we can be transformed We ought to be transformed in our inner person. That's the transformation that Paul is talking about. If we've been justified by faith apart from works, then we need not only to be right with God, but we need to be transformed. We need to be sanctified as well. No one is perfect already. Although we are perfectly righteous before God, we are not perfect yet. And that's a bit of a conundrum. It's hard to get our heads around. Legally, we are right with God. But on a day-to-day basis, we're not always walking as we ought to. It's a bit like being married. Some people get on great together and others struggle in their relationships but they're married. The legal status of being married doesn't change if you're having a bad day with somebody. So we are justified. Our legal status with God is settled for eternity. But our sanctification, we don't always have good days with the Lord. We are not perfect, although some Christians think they are perfect. (laughs) Um, Many Christians think that because they're justified, Because they're right with the Lord, they're forgiven, they're righteous, that everything they do must be righteous as a result. They can do no wrong. And sometimes people, Christians who assume that they're perfect, they can do no wrong. They're the most difficult people to be with. They're the most difficult people to to be sanctified. You can't teach them anything. All they want to do is worship God, tell him how great he is, find out more about the Bible and the Old Testament especially and just become more knowledgeable about the things of God but not knowledgeable, not, not knowledgeable about God himself and his character. Sin is a problem for us, every one of us in our everyday lives. We've been justified, we're right with God but we still need to be sanctified We still need to be perfected, transformed in practice. If anybody thinks differently, if anybody thinks that 
I'm, I'm righteous, I'm perfect, then ask a few people if they have the same opinion of you. <laughs> because usually they know us better than, than, than we do ourselves. In fact, in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus assumes that every day we're going to be not only praying prayers of worship to God, but also prayers of provision. Give us today our daily bread. But also every day we need to pray prayers for forgiveness. Forgive us our sins. So if the Lord tells us that we need to pray for forgiveness every day, then we oughtn't to be saying, no, that's not for me. In fact, in 1 John, he writes, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, well, we make out him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. It's okay to admit that you've sinned. That's the reality. And God knows that. And we have an advocate. We have Christ who is there. 1 John 1, nine. He is there to forgive us our sins. He ever pleads to intercede for us. Justification sorts out our eternal future with God. Sanctification improves our daily walk with the Lord. If we've trusted in Jesus, we don't need to worry about eternity. But we need to work on our day-to-day, being sanctified, being transformed. So if we look at Romans 12, verses 1 to 3, Paul says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, and he's really starting his practical section of his letter to the Romans, in view of all that he says over the previous 11 chapters about the gospel, about how God has worked through history, which he summarizes as in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies, and that's ourselves, our flesh, our old nature, but also our congregations, the bodies of our churches, offer ourselves together as God's people, as well as individuals, as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. A living sacrifice, that's a conundrum. How can something be living if it's been sacrificed on an altar, killed? And So there's death and there's life at the same time in a living sacrifice. Jesus says we need to take up our cross daily and follow him. We need to put to death the old nature and we need to walk in the new life of the Spirit. So there's death and life, a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, and he goes on to to talk about how they ought to not think of themselves more highly than they ought, but rather think of yourselves with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of us. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Verse 2. Be transformed. That word transformed in English is from the Greek word 
which I'm not going to pronounce because I always get it a bit wrong. But basically, it's the same word. It's very similar to the word which we have almost identical in English, metamorphosis, which is basically the saying how we can be transformed, changed. When a caterpillar is changed into a butterfly, there's a metamorphosis goes on. As the caterpillar goes into its chrysalis, and it gets transformed, it comes out as a, as a butterfly. And the same thing ought to be happening to us. We're in the process of being transformed. We're not what we used to be, but yet we're not what we will be. Nobody likes caterpillars, at least nobody I know. Especially if you're eating salad and there's a wee green thing just... <laughs> More vitamins. <laughs> but people love butterflies. And what would we rather be? Would we rather be a creepy crawly? Or would we rather be a butterfly, something beautiful before the Lord? We need to be transformed. That word metamorphosis, metamorpho in, in Greek is used also in Mark chapter 9 at the transfiguration. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James and John with him and led them up a high mountain where they were all alone. There he was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. That word translated, that we read transfigured, is that very same word that we read in Romans 12 too, to be transformed. Jesus was transformed before them. He had hidden his glory. It's not that he had left his glory. He just hidden it for a while. He humbled himself and he came in the appearance of a, a person just like us. But there he opened the the door a little bit and let them see something of his glory and he was transformed in front of them and we too are being transformed we're not yet as bright and shining as he was on that occasion but when we go to be with him when he returns we will be but we can be more transformed than we are when Moses was up on the mountain with God getting the Ten Commandments When he came down, his face was so radiant that he had to put a veil over. It was too much for the other Israelites to be able to cope with. They had knew that, known that he had been with God. And the reflection of God was just shining out from him. And sometimes when people have been with the Lord, others will ask questions to try and figure out what's happened. Why are you so radiant? What's going on? And you've just had a quiet time. You've just been with the Lord. People can notice when we are more transformed than at other times. There was a man, Adoniram Judson, who went as a missionary to Burma many years ago. He was so concerned to preach the gospel to to people in Burma that after getting there, before he could even learn the language, 
he went up to one man and he, he, he embraced him. He just hugged him. He was just so glad to be there to be able to share the gospel with them. And that man went home and reported that he'd seen an angel. <laughs> the living Christ was so radiant in Mr. Judson's face that men called him Mr. Glory Face. That was his nickname. But even if we are radiant at times, we still have a long way to go to be as radiant as Christ is. We we shouldn't settle for just being a bit better than what we are. We should long for even more. But do we want to be transformed? Are we happy being a caterpillar or do we want to be a butterfly? Are we happy where we are? It's challenging to be transformed, to be sanctified. It's challenging to to tackle the sins in our lives, the things that maybe we've been putting to the side for, for many years. Paul writes to the Colossians, Since then, you've been raised with Christ. Since you've been justified by faith. Set your hearts on things above. That's not thinking about heaven all the time, but think about the things of God where Christ is seated, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For when you died, for you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. As Paul speaks the language of having been justified by faith, we need to, we need to be sanctified. He's saying that there's a problem. Yes, we're right with God. We've been raised with Christ. We're seated with him in the heavenly places. Our eternal relationship with the Father is sorted. But we still have a problem. Our minds are not fixed on the things of of heaven, the things of God, as much as they ought to be. He encourages them, When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. When he comes again, just like he was transfigured on the Mount of Transfiguration, we too will be Transfigured, the, the final amount of transformation that is needed in our lives, we will receive it in, in, in a lump, all in one go. But in the meantime, he continues, because you are right with God and because you will be one day what Christ is already, put to death, therefore, in terms of holiness, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Don't lie. Do not lie to each other since you've taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. We are no longer defined by the old nature, the old self. We are defined by the new nature, the new self. But even though that is our identity, we need to make that our experience on a day-to-day basis. We have to daily put off the old and put on the new. 
Paul uses the, the language of putting on your clothes in the morning. We need to get up, not just putting on our clothes. We need to put on our spiritual clothes as well. We need to say, right, I'm putting on Christ today. And whatever I face today, I'm going to try and do it in his strength. Not in my old fallen nature. We've been renewed in the past. But maybe we're not so much being renewed in the present. Maybe we've matured a bit, but then we've just got a bit lazy. We've sort of settled down and we're not really working on being sanctified any longer. Maybe we've allowed the Lord to work on us in certain areas of our lives, but we've resisted him in others in the past. God in his grace, he doesn't deal with everything all in one go when we become a believer. He'd crush us if he says, right, there's this, 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 and this, and we think, wow. And then he goes on with another hundred things that need to be changed. That would just crush us. He just deals with one or two things at a time. And when he deals with those, he, he does the next on the list. And when we think we're br- everything's great, and he says, well, actually, there's this as well. And he, he deals with things in our lives at the rate that we can cope. But too often the Lord is saying, yeah, you've dealt with those, but there's this, this, and this. Too often we think, well, I've done enough. Isn't that enough? Can I not stop now? And we become lazy. We think we're more mature than other people. We can stop now. We don't need to continue being sanctified. Sometimes the hardest Christians to help move forward in their walk with the Lord are those who believe that they're sanctified enough, that they know it all, that they know, especially those who are focused on theology. There's some denominations in particular where it's all about knowledge about Israel, the Old Testament, or doctrines or whatever. And the focus in our Christian lives can become more about facts and information rather than transformation. If you really want to know if you need to be sanctified, ask somebody who you trust. Ask them what they think. You know, maybe point, ask them to point out, listen, point out one or two things that I need to improve on in my Christian life. But that can be depressing. <laughs> so also ask them, listen, point out one or two things that are encouraging as well <laughs> that we can give thanks to the Lord for. Being transformed, what does it look like in practice? Apart from the things that Paul says we ought not to do, there are things that help. Having regular devotions, reading our Bibles, or meditating on God's Word. We've got such a privilege to be able to read God's Word. We can get Bibles for less than a tenner today. We can get them for free on our phones, on the internet. In the past... Four or five hundred years ago, a church might have had one Bible for the whole church. And it would be physically chained to the pulpit so nobody could steal it. Before that, people would just memorize portions of scripture. They wouldn't even have a Bible per church. And so the Old Testament believers were encouraged to meditate on the things of the Lord. They might go to the synagogue once a week to hear and remember And they wouldn't be able to read God's word itself, most of them. 
but they would remember what they'd heard. Sometimes if we can't get to, to read God's word, we can meditate on it as they did, but we've got the privilege of reading it afresh ourselves. We should make the most of that. God's word shows us how we ought to live, how we ought not to live, how we ought to live. We ought to love the things of God, the word of God, the people of God, the, the gifting, the ministries that the Lord gives us. We ought to clean up our language, clean up what we are entertained by, what we are amused by. So many different ways in our lives that we ought to be transformed. And Paul continues in Colossians 3, he says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. That's not easy. (laughs) And that's not normal. The way of the world is not the way of the Lord. Forgiving people, it has to some extent entered the public consciousness, but that's only because of Christian influence over the centuries. Forgiving people is not natural. Taking vengeance is. But we ought to be countercultural. We ought not to be going with the flow of culture. We ought to be thinking, what does God's word say? We ought to be compassionate, kind, humble, gentle, and patient. We ought to, to see how does God work, God's word want to transform us? What is he saying? What standard does he have for us? We don't want to just be a slightly better version of the world. We want to be the version of us that God wants us to be. Not only should we have transformed minds and actions with respect to how we ought to love one another and so on, but we also ought to get to know God's word and what his standards are for life in general. There are some important topics God says we ought not to, to commit murder. We're getting the Ten Commandments. We know some very basics. But he also says we oughtn't to, to take life at the end of life, euthanasia. We oughtn't to take life before it leaves the womb, abortion. We oughtn't to, ma- to minimize and disrespect life when people are, are living. And there are so many ways in which People are disrespected because they're of the wrong class, they're of the wrong culture, the wrong race, they're not wealthy enough, they're not educated enough, they're discriminated against. One of the reasons why Christians have in the past set up hospitals, set up food banks, set up caring ministries, mercy ministries is is because people are valuable. God's word tells us that people are made in the image of God. Every human life is precious. Somebody who's a down and out on the streets hasn't got much going for them. In the eyes of the world, they're a bit of a reject. But in the eyes of God, that person is special. 
The person is precious. And no matter how they may have got into that situation, we ought to try and do what we can to help them out of it, to help them to improve their situation, but also to help them see how God's love is for them just as much as anybody else. Christ didn't come into the world to save those who are doing fairly okay, the self-righteous. Christ came to save sinners, and that's everyone. When the church takes Paul's command in Romans 12 too seriously, be transformed by the renewing of the way you think. That means getting into God's word, knowing what God wants us to think, and then allowing it to impact our lives practically. In the past, when Christians did that, it had a massive impact on society. Christianity and society at, at the moment, some churches are... Some people are getting a little bit upset because Christianity is not the dominant culture anymore in the West. And there are things which are challenging it. And some people are not reacting the way that they could. They're reacting reactively, defensively. If we see the Me Too movement, which calls out sexual abuse in the workplace, in homes, in churches, church leaders sometimes react to that and say, that's an extension of feminism or such things which we don't support. But actually they don't realize that calling out sexual abuse is something which the church has historically been involved in. Many Christian leaders have pointed out that way back in the, the, the era of the New Testament church, back in the first few hundred years after Christ lived. Roman society was very, very different than Western society today. The Bible was countercultural. It was, it was okay. It was accepted by people then. If a, if a man not only had sex with his wife, but anybody else who was of lower status than him, lower rank in society another man's wife, another man's son, anybody. Nobody said anything. Nobody batted an eyelid. Christians came in and said, no, that's wrong. God says one man, one woman in marriage. We ought to respect the sanctity of marriage. We ought not to just let our lusts run amok. And so Christians actually changed the way society thought because they were respecting God's words, respecting people, the dignity of human life, of each individual, regardless if they were a servant, poor, whatever. Each person was precious. Back at the same time, if a family happened to have a, a baby that was handicapped, or if they got a girl and they wanted a boy, well, they didn't proactively do them in. They just took them out to a hillside, left them there overnight without much clothes on them, let the really cold temperatures get to them, come back in the morning and say, oh, our wee ones died. That's how they used to deal with children they didn't want. 
that was, a, that was on a massive scale, infanticide on a massive scale. Christian says, no, that is wrong. They oppose such practices. It doesn't matter how inconvenient somebody is. It doesn't matter how poor or how difficult it is to care for somebody. Each person is made in the image of God. And each person is precious. God's word tells us that. That's how we ought to think about such things. And we're getting into a time now where we have to do the same as them. We have to have a biblical worldview which is countercultural to the prevailing worldview. The church which was persecuted at times, which was marginalized, it was not the majority culture for the first few hundred years Yet it had such a big impact because it trusted in God's word. It lived it out. And it had a massive impact on the world around it. It didn't just transform the lives of individual Christians or their churches. It transformed their communities as well. And that transformation keeps happening everywhere the believers live by God's word. I don't know if you've seen Bridge Over the River Kwai. It was on TV a couple of times recently. Prisoners of war in a Japanese camp during World War II. The conditions were horrendous. And yet, a few Christians formed some Bible study groups. They looked at God's word and they started living it out. In terrible circumstances. And yet that transformed their lives. It transformed the lives of the other prisoners around them. Instead of reacting in anger and hatred towards each other, they were caring, they became compassionate. They stood up for one another. They even gave their lives for each other. And the same has been happening here too in prisons. The same has been happening in community people's lives have been changed people's lives have been transformed and there's hardly any transformation without courage without people being courageous taking a stand and doing something because God says so but what has happened too often is that the church now is being influenced by the world Instead of the word. We're letting the world transform us into its image. Rather than the word of God transform us into the image of Christ. We need to be courageous. We need to be steadfast. We need to understand God's word. Not just settle for a little bit of transformation. But just go with what the Lord has on his list. We ought not to be unashamed of his ways. They're always good. And people will see that sooner or later. Jesus died on the cross. He gave his life for us. Not only that we will be forgiven, but that we will be transformed as well. And that we will be glorified. When he comes again, we will be glorified. But we're in that in-between process. We're in the process of being changed. The process of being sanctified. So let's strive 
not just to be as we are, but by the Spirit's power to be more like Christ. Let's strive to be more radiant, more sanctified as individuals, as a church, to shine more brightly as lights in the darkness, to live more joyfully, knowing the fullness of our salvation, to live more sacrificially, because it hurts sometimes. It's not easy. But let's praise God for what he has done for us. Praise God for what he will do for us. Praise God for what he is doing in us. As it's often been said, we have been saved when we were justified by faith. We are being saved by being sanctified. And we will be saved when we will be glorified. So let's work with the Lord. We are being saved. We are being sanctified. Let's work with him as we look forward to that day. Let's please him. And let's anticipate that day when we will be with him in glory. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this wonderful gospel of justification, of sanctification, of glorification. Lord, we thank you for your love for us, for your patience with us. Lord, help us to to give our lives to you as living sacrifices, which is only our reasonable worship. Lord, forgive us when we have sinned. Lord, transform us by the power of your Spirit. We can do it by the power of the Spirit working in us. We thank you, Lord. You haven't just called us to do it on our own, but you've given us your Spirit to transform us. Help us to walk in the Spirit, Lord, not in the old sinful nature. And help us to be transformed. In Jesus' name, amen.